You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit oasiswaterloo.org. The Lord said to Moses, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each of their ancestral tribes you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them leading men among the Israelites. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up there into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many and whether the land they live in is good or bad and whether the towns that they live in are unwalled or fortified, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be bold and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now it was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob, near Lebo Hamath. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron, and Ahiman, Shenshai, and Talmai. The Anakites were there. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the Israelites in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back words to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Thanks, Timo. In a second, Jide is going to uh, come and speak to us, and he's going to kick things off uh, with a video, but uh, let me just pray for you, Jide, before you come and speak to us. God, we thank you uh, for the privilege of having uh, someone with Jide's wisdom and experience and knowledge to come and speak to us and share with us. May we be challenged and inspired uh, and have hearts that are open uh, to hear what he has to say to us. Amen. As a black African gay man and a Christian theologian, that God loves everyone just the way they are. Growing up as a young person, as a black African Nigerian, I think that the word gay did not feature in our vocabulary. The word homosexuality does not exist at all in our language. I think around about age six, seven, I was quite clear. I just knew that I had a desire to be with someone of my own gender. My family was a, was a Christian family, quite conservative. We go to church almost every day. At age 13, because I was so involved in church, you know, studying my Bible, I discovered the text in the Bible in Leviticus 18 verse 20 and 20 verse 13 that says in black and white that if a man have sex with another man is an abomination and they shall be put to death. I've always felt from that moment that God don't love me and that I was an abuse, I was an abomination to God. When you've been called an abomination, when you've been told that you are a disgrace, when you've been told that being gay is bringing your family name to disrepute, 
you find yourself in a very lonely place. I have had suicidal thoughts many times. I have even tried to take my own life because I thought it was not worth it. I would have avoided all of this pain only if I knew where to find the best support for a young teenager who is, you know, having a conflict around their sexuality, if I had someone to talk to. I was excommunicated primarily and, you know, when I started to go back to church in 96, I, you know, I started to think, can there ever be a church where gay people can go to? And that's part of the reason that, you know, I actually started House of Rainbow, so that there is a place where people can come to, you know, for an explanation. In August of 2006, we were ready to start House of Rainbow. Uh, the following month in September, we started with an opening service with about 32 people in attendance. So first day wasn't bad at all. And in subsequent weeks, the numbers started growing. By December of 2006, um, I was introduced to um, journalists in Nigeria and journalists from the US visiting Nigeria. You know, about uh, a gay man has come to start a gay church in Nigeria. And of course, once the media started to write about it, it meant that the Nigerian society and the Nigerian government became a little bit more alert uh, about what was going on. So I was one of the most hated person in Nigeria because um, of my stand to include LGBT people in the work that we do. And unfortunately, by the time we got to September of 2008, the intensity against our organization and myself was becoming quite violent, you know. My home was vandalized, you know, I was attacked in the street, members of our communities were attacked, many were fired from their jobs, expelled from their homes, you know, rejected by their family. It got really so bad. They had to get me out of the country because it got really bad. In 2010, I made a conscious decision that we need to restart the organization. So we restarted the organization in London. And since then, we've not looked back. There is a time in life where we were told who we are, and that's not who we are. But when you realize who you are, then you need to turn around and say, this is who I am. There is another scriptures in Bible that I love so much, it's in Romans. Those who were not loved shall be called beloved. So I say to people within the LGBT community that we are beloved because we are children of the living God. And I would say to people, particularly to the LGBT community, our parents, our friends and allies, you know, don't listen to all the things that the pastor says in their sermon, in their churches against the LGBT community. You need to listen to yourself and listen to what God is saying to you. The same Bible that is used to condemn homosexuality is also the same Bible that we're using to celebrate homosexuality because God loves us just the way we are.
Good morning. Come on, good morning, Oasis. I am delighted to be here this morning. And thanks for the invitation and, and for the incredible support of your team here. Uh, I'm very grateful to Steve for inviting me, and I'm especially thankful to Daniel and her team for supporting me, uh, especially this weekend. I also want to recognize members and friends of House of Rainbow who have joined us today. Thank you so much for coming along. I really appreciate you all. Uh, my name is Judy McCauley, and um, I'm the founder of House of Rainbow. I recently moved to Manchester and to uh, take up a position as chaplain uh, to the university. And it's been five months since I left London, and coming back, I felt like a visitor, just going around the South Bank and seeing what goes on there. But this morning, I've come to you to talk um, about uh, the implications of colonialism and many other things. Uh, and I really don't know what I'm going to share with you, but I'm trusting God in this moment. So my friends, let us pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for bringing us together. We thank you for this community of saints, and we ask you for your blessings upon us. And as I speak, the words that I share this morning will touches, will reach us, will help us to understand our own journey with you and be able to gather your people. And as we walk in that grace and love with you and with each other. Amen. Amen. Oh, come on. I haven't lost my Pentecostal roots. <laughs> you know, I may be Anglican, but, you know, I'm still very much Pentecostal at heart. So, you know, I, I love the kind of call and response. So, uh, you don't have to be kind with me by being gentle. So when I say amen, it's okay to respond by saying amen back. Amen, somebody. Amen. That's good. Uh, Steve has asked me to talk about the implications of the colonial era teaching based on the understanding of the Bible, on the exclusion and the ongoing persecution of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender communities in Africa. As you saw from that video, I am of Nigerian heritage. In fact, I am Nigerian, and at the same time, I'm British as well. I believe that Steve was setting me up for a doctoral studies in inclusive and queer theology. I mean, we all know what Steve is like, don't we? And, but I have to tell you today, it would take me six years to complete the research and essays, uh, because I started to talk to the academics in the Cambridge area about doing uh, a study. So they said, well, that's another six years you know, if you've got time. <laughs> Amen. I mean, Black History Month is an important month for all of us. But for black people, it's a lifetime. We learn about our own stories and heritage every single day. We sit under the Udala tree and listen to folklore and stories from our parents, from our elders and storytellers. So we get to know about Black History Month, but the question is about how about other people? Sadly, we know about the acrimony against black lives, such that in the West, there has been a denial of black contributions to the wealth and constructions of these nations. We have seen how the Windrush generation has been impacted. We know that the NHS, the teaching profession, the transport service in England would have collapsed if not for black folks that responded to the call for service. Let's not forget all the wars. Black people and black nations stood side by side to fight all the enemies of the UK. Hallelujah. Maybe that's not a good place to say hallelujah. However, I have worked in human rights field 
for a few decades, especially after I came out as gay in 1994 after a heterosexual marriage. I have tried so hard to find my place in church, in society and nations. As one who is both English and Nigerian, it is never a far cry to see or experience the impact of empire, racism, religious oppression, discrimination, and so on. My formative years were in Nigeria. So when I moved to London, it was on the streets of London, somewhere in Battersea, that someone said to me, you're a black man. I said, pardon? They never told me that in Nigeria, so <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> but friends, today I'm not going to give you a textbook analysis, but speak directly to you about the experience I have had alongside many others. I have been examining the scripture that was read by Antumo just moments ago, uh, the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 13, verse 1 to 26, which examines the report after the investigation of the Israelites into the promised land. The background to the presentation of a report according to Numbers uh, was a result of an instruction to spy on the land of Canaan to which God had promised the Israelites. So Moses and Aaron sent men to spy out the land. They were not ordinary people. They were, according to the Bible, leading men, everyone a leader. They must have been leaders with experiences, perhaps highly educated and people whose report after 40 days of investigation would have commanded respect. We know that after a period of tragedy in our country, there will be a team of people that will come together to go into an inquiry and provide reports. But the first 24 verses of Numbers, chapter 13, gives us an insight in the workings and investigation these leaders carried out. It had worked hard and tedious. They were spies and needed to investigate the land and ensure that they come out alive. It was a dangerous uh, investigation but they had to come out with the right information. The implication of the fear of homophobia and transphobia are there for many of us to see. Even though we are here you know, today, we still need to do a lot more of that investigation. So when we're talking about the implications of homophobia, we see the mistranslation of Bible, the subjugation of LGBT folks, women, girls, and people with disability. We see that many migrants are fleeing their own country and trying to find a place of safety here in England. The oppressive nature of religious teaching that doesn't allow for questioning but extreme authoritarianism. African cultures where colonized and oppressive conservative religious practices were introduced. Many families have broken down because of what they believe that the Bible and their religious teachings tell them about LGBT children and or relatives. The inability to accept sexual orientation, gender identity and expression as part of the diverse creation of God. So my friends, the implication today are that many former British colonies still hold onto colonial laws in the detriment of safety of their own people. And we also have the extreme conservative ideas from the global north imposing their theology on Africans that causes a displacement of black nations, peoples, and especially LGBT folks. You might be asking me, Jude, how does that relate to numbers? To black people here today, 
and in, during this History Month. Black History Month is not complete without black queer folks. It is difficult to talk about Black Lives Matter without talking about Black Queer Lives Matter too. As I speak to everyone, I also speak to black people who are not queer. Black History Month is about our achievements too. The irony is that in 2020, during the end SARS protests and campaign in Nigeria, asking for the end of police brutality, it was also the backdrop of a senseless killing of George Floyd in the USA in the same year. Queer folks stood up against the, asking for the end of police brutality and violence. Those brave enough to join the protest in Nigeria with placards that says Queer Lives Matter were brutally attacked by other protesters asking for the end of police brutality. I, you can see the irony. We're fighting for the same thing, but yet we are being brutalized by those that we're supporting. We see all sorts of atrocities here too. So once the Israelites have been asked to go and check out the promised land, they were afraid of the people there because they were stronger. They were afraid of the violence that they might meet. In the gay community, we are still faced with racism and sometimes the reactions of some white people beggars believe. Many years ago, I did a seminar during Black History Month highlighting the contributions of black queer folks to young black men. I listed, you know, folks such as Ajamo, a queer photographer, radical sex activist, and archivist. archivist. I mentioned Lady Phil, the co-founder of UK Black Pride. I mentioned James Baldwin, Bea Ruskin, and you know, I mentioned Audrey Lord, Linda Bella, who was a former leader of Lambert Council, Vernal Scott, Gamal Tuwara, an openly gay police officer of British Nigerian heritage, Adirunke Akpata, a migrant who recently became a barrister in this country after she was refused her asylum claim for over 13 years. Monroe Bakter, a transgender activist, Justin Fashionu, the name is endless, Cyril Henry, uh, John Amechi. How many of these names do you know? How many of these names of queer people who are black that have made contributions, not just here in the UK, but around the world? There were resistance from these young people. Has they wanted to hear about black heroes such as Nelson Mandela, Muhammad Ali, and they called me a batty man and insulted me. But I was not moved by that because I knew that black queer history is just as important as black history nonetheless. But my friends, colonialism brought the world legal hate and a cocktail of religious disaster for queer people and our family. But at House of Rainbow, we're working hard to meet the pastoral needs of black, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. We've done so for over 16 years. Because we know that we love the Lord, but the religious intolerance and abuse has taken center stage and we live through the trauma of shame, stigma, denial, and discrimination. I'm not here to apologize, I'm completely unapologetic. It is unbelievable that recently in Ghana, there's a, a law tabled in Ghana to legalize conversion therapy, but yet the attitude in the society based on religious beliefs because African cultures, I believe, are naturally hospitable and accepting of all people. But we have colonial laws that is pushing people to behave differently. In Africa, we are decriminalizing and repealing uh, legacies of colonial laws, but they are slow. 
countries like Mozambique, Seychelles, Angola, Botswana, Lesotho, Cape Verde, Gabon, Guinea-Bissau, Sao Tome, and Principe, South Africa have decriminalized uh, homosexuality. But there are still over 70 countries that hold punitive laws against people who love differently, and a third of those countries impose the death penalty. For some years, I worked for the United Nations as a representative of activists campaigning for human rights for the LGBT community. I've had the opportunity and privileges to visit Geneva and New York, particularly during the Universal Periodic Review of the United Member Countries, of which Nigeria is a member, so I, I get to go representing Nigeria. But on one occasion, as we attended in uh, New York with a colleague of mine from Namibia, and, and whilst my portfolio of service focused on Africa, there was a moment that I felt exposed. You see, and at the United Nations, there is a corridor with, nations of, with flags from all the nations of the world. I don't know how many of you have, have seen those corridors, have been along them. You're able to stand alongside those flags and take a photograph of yourself. So I had taken a picture of my friend uh, next to the Namibia flag, and it was my turn, so I ran towards the British flag, and as I posed next to the flag, <laughs> She was completely surprised. She was shocked and confused, and literally her hand dropped. She wouldn't take the picture. And I tried to inquire what is wrong. Her eyes alone queried my existence, because up to that point, I've represented Nigeria in all the conversations. I tried to make light the matter and move towards the Nigerian flag, but the energy no longer felt the same. <laughs> For the rest of the week, I was confused. Am I Nigerian or am I British? Why can't I be both and still be celebrated? But that day, my colleague called me a fraud and that I was not Nigerian enough because of my British identity. As someone who is born in the UK and raised by Nigerian parents, you know, it raises many questions about our loyalty to our nation, but Today, I focus on my dual heritage and seek a better place for LGBT people both here in the United Kingdom and also in Nigeria. You know, not too long ago, we lost the Queen of England and many people have spoken about her true Britishness and her embodiment to democracy and that she was a stood representation of stability and continuity. But we must be reminded that even in her lifetime, the colonial law still persisted in many places around the world that continue to punish queer people, that continue to, continue to punish black people, that continue to promote racism. So when we talk about the implications of colonial laws, it is still with us many, more, many, many days today. But for me, it was comfortable to know that at least she was also my queen. And of course, when she died, like many British people, I mourned her. Let me take you back to 2006, when I started House of Rainbow Ministry in Lagos, Nigeria. Of course, in 2008, I wrote a sermon and that I titled, Whose Report Will You Believe? I have shared this subject over and over, and I'll share a little bit of it with you today. And this is based on the account of the reading today. The Israelites were investigating the land of Canaan before the occupation. So many of us will be challenged about what changes will look like. If suddenly we accept queer people into our space and home, 
not just to tolerate them, but to welcome them wholeheartedly. There is a new campaign called More Than Welcome because churches have used the phrase, all are welcome, and they've used it to trap queer people, only for them to be subject, subjected to horrible things and horrific experiences. I have told queer people that if there are no inclusive church in their neighborhood, they should stay at home. It's safer. I was implicated in many of the Nigerian newspapers over the years, and there were calls for my execution on many radio and television programs. Public opinions were extremely judgmental and humane. And you know, my thoughts in all of this is whose report will you believe? That of Jesus Christ who loved me as a, as a, as a gay man, or the report of those to kill me? But you know, let's not forget that in 1973, the American Psychiatric Association voted to remove homosexuality from the list of mental illness. It took 31 years before the Nigerian Psychiatric Association made history by deleting homosexuality from his list of mental illness. But we live through a time where we need to understand that God's love for everybody is, is unjustifiable. Uh, God's love for everyone is deep. So we cannot discriminate against one another. There have been many debates and reports that claim homosexuality is not of God. And this comes with violence in our homes and nations and there are homophobic teachings of many religious leaders in Nigeria and indeed all over the world. Many LGBT people and our families and heterosexual friends, there are times of torture and turmoil in the society that promotes homophobia through the thinking and utterance of very powerful and influential people. And that takes place in religious places as well. But in the book of Numbers, there is something that I want to make clear to you. Moses instructed 12 leaders, and he actually named them as well. He says, spy the land and see what the land is. Whether the people who live in it are strong or weak. Whether they are few or many. Whether the land they live is good or bad. Whether the towns that they live in are unwalled or fortified. Whether it, the land is rich or poor. Whether there are trees in it or not also instruct them to be bold and bring some of the fruits of the land. I also want to say I'm sure that, you know, they would have been instructed to check whether the land was inclusive or not. Whether queer people in the land are safe as well. I believe that many of us are called like these leaders to spy on the land. Be a representative of Jesus by bringing good news to the marginalized people, even while they serve in other denominations in our neighborhood, many of whom, many others are gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender, non-binary and non-conforming, that need the love and inclusive love of Jesus. So, Moses was talking to the people, he said, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to the entire congregation. You see, when you go out and investigate, when you go out and do your work, you have to come back with a report. So after the period of investigation, it is now time to report back. This was the time to present the facts by notable and qualified leaders. Are you that person that will come back with a good report of inclusion? The evidence was there about how great the land is 
They informed Moses and Aaron and the people that the land flows with milk and honey. There was economic boom, comfort and prosperous ease. The excellent news that we're all waiting for, I'm sure if I was there at that point, I'll be more than excited. I perhaps will have had my backpack and ready to move to Canaan, the promised land. But there is a problem. There was another report that meant that don't get happy yet, don't rejoice just yet, let us tell you the bad news. Has anyone come to you and say, I have good news and bad news? I know that's a cliche. Which one do you want to hear first? But the bad news is that the people who lived in land are strong and the towns are fortified, very large and well protected. Beside, there are descendants of Anak, a long-standing enemy of the Israelites. At this point, you can imagine the chaos. You can imagine the disappointment. But there is yet another report. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. We need to occupy the land. So quite recently, I've been saying to uh, our community that it's important that we uh, are better organized because those who uh, are fighting, those who are promoting homophobia and transphobia are well organized. I've been saying to queer people we need to be more organized. The second thing I've said to queer people is that we need to occupy. You know, it's only about two years ago that I was ordained priest into the Church of England. It took me a long time to get there. But I remember saying to myself and thanking God that I now occupy the place of priesthood in the Church of England so that I can provide appropriate and sensitive pastoral care to queer people like myself. This is something that has been denied me for many, many, many years. But we must understand that there are different and conflicting reports about the land and whether or not it was suitable for acquisition. The same today on whether or not to include LGBT people in our church. There are many arguments on our suitability to be Christians or to be ordained for ministry or even to be citizens of the world. There were antagonistic people around. Even the Bible says that those who, were, who spent 40 days with Caleb on the special expedition said to the people, we are not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we are. In other words, we are not able, we are not up to the tax. We cannot do it. But I know that we can do better as Christians when we challenge ourselves on inclusivity. We can unlearn to relearn and understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. But my friends, whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? The report that says we are able to overcome it or that which concludes that we're not able because they are stronger than we. I want to invite you to come to Jesus with all the chaos and disappointment. I want you to come with your fear of the lack of understanding of queer people and say, we can do better. I want us to come to Jesus. I want us to come to an understanding that, you know, we can accept that God and God's children can be free in God's house. And that, to me, is a clear message that I want us to take today. Today, many people also claim to speak the mind of God, even in the places where laws are made, but yet do not believe in the inclusive love and gospel of Jesus Christ that includes all people. And a good example is Ghana. In Ghana, at the moment, there are people making laws, doing so in the name of Jesus. And that is heartbreaking in itself. We know that the same also happens here in the UK. 
But let me begin to close by reminding us that even the Bible tells us in John 3:16 that for God so loved the world that God gave God's only son so that everyone whosoever believes in Jesus may not perish but have eternal life. I tell you again that you know Jesus came to die for our sins and not our sexuality. The requirement is whoever believes, not Anglicans, not Catholics, not Pentecostals, but whoever believes in Jesus. Jesus does not belong to any denomination, but he died for all. Amen? And you know, it also reminds me, because you know, scriptures is so powerful, because when I spend time with scriptures, you know, I see God in, in those words. You know, I see the freedom that we need. You know, recently I've been looking at the parables and, you know, the parable of the good shepherd was not about the other sheep that was missing. It's actually about the 99. You're missing one person. Go get them. Go look for them. You know, I recently, you know, I was, I was teaching on the, uh, the, the, the parable of the lepers. You know, Jesus said that, you know, I healed 10 lepers. Only one came to say thank you. But I, I read the story again, I read the parable, but it says that Jesus instructed the ten lepers, go and meet with the priest. Go and meet with the priest and you will be healed. But as they were making that journey, one of them realized that he was healed and turned back. But he hadn't actually followed the instructions to go meet the, the priest. So the other nine went along. And you know, I was thinking, Jesus, why did you say that? Well, did I not heal ten and only one came to say thank you? But I believe that the others probably came a week later or a month later, amen? Come on, you can't just say to nine people that you were ungrateful. They were probably grateful in their own way. So don't have an expectation that people come back and say thank you. If they say thank you in their heart, it's good enough. You need just need to let go. Maybe we should tell Jesus to let go in that moment too, <laughs> you know? So I am reminded, you know, quite you know, confidently about the love of Christ for all people. And as the documentary, you know, was um, coming to an end, you know, I made reference to Romans, and part of my favorite scriptures is Romans 9, 25 to 26, and it always nailed it for me. And, um, you know, it, it's clear that scriptures tells us that those who were not my people, I will call my people. And those who were not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it is said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called children of the living God. You know, there was a time in my ministry, and I still do, that I say to queer people, you know, when I shout out Jelly Below, you better be screaming, child of the living God or children of the living God, because that's who we are. And, you know, the Bible also reminds us that in the very place where it is said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called children of the living God. LGBT people have been told that they are not people, they are not welcome. I want to say to you, I want to declare in this moment that even in Nigeria, where I have been condemned by law, there I shall be celebrated as a child of the living God. I don't know about you in this moment. You know, speak for yourself. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ challenged the religious leaders of his time after they failed to acknowledge the miracle of healing, especially of that that was born blind. So again, we find comparisons you know, with the queer community, we need to challenge ourselves a little bit more in understanding that God loves all people and God is calling us into a place of understanding and giving and welcoming. So friends, finally, I charge you, whose report will you believe?
The reporter condemns you and claims we are not children of God or the scriptures that say that we are dearly beloved children of the living God. Whose report will you believe? Religious leaders who have used derogatory remarks to address gay and lesbian people or perhaps, you know, the, the book of 1 Peter 2, 9 that says you are a chosen race and a royal priesthood, God's holy people, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of God who called you out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Which report will you believe? The negative report of the colonial law that rejects, victimizes, and ostracizes us, or the report that includes us, that says that once you were not my people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Which report will you believe? The report that keeps you in the closet of fear, or the, or the report according to the word of God that says in all these things we are more than conquerors to Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor death or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which report will you believe? My friend, I call upon us this morning to believe in the report of the love of Jesus Christ that includes all people, whether you're black or white, whether you're gay or straight, whether you have an ability or, or, or disability, whether you have wealth or not, God loves you. God bless you all. Amen.